Welcome to another segment of Let's Talk UNLV on KUNV. You with co-host Keith and Renee. Renee, it was a beautiful weekend this weekend. I know you did something adventurous. Talk to me about that. So my mother was here and she was visiting from Los Angeles. And so we went to go see Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, we did the massage and the pedicure. Uh, and we went to Top of the World restaurant at the Strat, which was pretty, pretty nice. I had a good 10-ounce uh, filet. So all together, it was a wonderful time with Bob, beautiful weather, and some good outings. What about you? Okay, I got to stop right now. <laughs> Godzilla versus King Kong, thumbs up or thumbs down? You know, it was for her. I don't really like those uh, monster movies, so I think I fell asleep, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. And we were the only ones in the theater. It was a eight o'clock show, and <laughs> just the two of us in a you know theater that maybe sits two hundred. But she enjoyed it, and I enjoyed taking her. All right, <laughs> I ended up actually, you know, taking my first trip since the pandemic. So I actually went to Phoenix for a conference, oh, okay. and you know. It was great. It was a fraternal conference, and we really mm-hmm. focus on what this topic is going to be about today. And, okay. and that's why I'm looking forward to our discussion. But we really were talking about K-20 through success among disadvantaged populations and what can we do in different communities to mobilize all of our efforts to improve the circumstances of these youth who are impacted, in particular, through the pandemic. So, so that leads us right into our segment today. We have Dr. Laura Pritchard, who's the Vice Provost for Undergraduate Education. So I know there's a lot to unpack under that title. So, so Dr. Pritchard, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Keith and Renee. It's a pleasure to join you. All right. Could you talk a little bit about sort of just generally what falls under the Vice Provost of Undergraduate Education? Sure. Uh, So as you can imagine, undergraduate education encompasses a lot of what happens at UNLV uh, since uh, a pretty large portion of our student enrollment uh, are undergraduate students. Uh, So my office is primarily responsible for uh, coordinating and providing central leadership for undergraduate student success initiatives. Uh, for central coordination of academic advising for undergraduates. Uh, The Office of Online Education is part of our group. Uh, We also oversee the implementation and assessment of our general education curriculum here at UNLV uh, and the Multicultural Program for STEM and Health Sciences lives in our office. Wow, that's a, a robust portfolio. So talk to me about the career trajectory of someone who wants to serve as a provost. I mean, I'm, I, you know, on the student affairs track, but talk to me, how does someone wake up one day and say, that's the kind of career path I want to pursue? Oh, well, that's, uh, that's <laughs> an interesting question. And I think uh, it's it's probably different for every person who finds themselves in in this kind of a role. Um, It certainly was not my intention Mm. when I began my uh, my academic career. Um, I've always been um, very dedicated to teaching. I started Mm. out as a biology instructor at a community college. uh, And then uh, when I finished my Ph.D., Uh, I did a teaching intensive postdoctoral fellowship, which is pretty unusual um, for 
uh, people intending to uh, to go into the professoriate, uh, but it was something that was important to me. Uh, so I worked at uh, a small private liberal arts college for three years uh, after I finished my PhD. Um, and then I had an opportunity to uh, to come to UNLV as an assistant professor mm. of psychology. Um, and, you know, worked as a, as a tenure track faculty member. I had a research lab where I worked with undergrads and graduate students. And I taught courses in the psychology department for several years. Um, and then I had an opportunity um, to transition into administration. And uh, it wasn't something that I necessarily knew that I wanted to do, but I became involved in the redesign of our general education program um, when I was uh, still a faculty member in the psychology department, uh, developed a first-year seminar uh, for the College of Liberal Arts, and that was a really uh, rewarding experience for me. Uh, and so when an opportunity arose for me to become uh, the assistant director for general education, I decided to go ahead and pursue that. Uh, and at that time, uh, I was working for the person who was then our mm -hmm. uh, vice provost for undergraduate education, who's now our provost, uh, Chris Hebe. And just learned so much from him in such a short time. Um, and when he decided to go back to the College of Liberal Arts as their dean, um, I was approached and asked if I would be willing to just sort of temporarily step into the vice provost role. And what was supposed to be about six months <laughs> turned into a couple of years. <laughs> and, uh, and here I am six years later. And um, it's been extremely rewarding, extremely challenging. Um, it is amazing to me every day that I'm able to fit more information about the university and how it operates into my brain. Hmm. Like it, there's just so much um, to know so many people to meet and to learn from. And that's, that's what's great about, um, about being an administrator at a university that you get to work with different people every single day. Um, and, learn from their perspective and uh it's never boring yeah that's a <clears throat> phenomenal journey and it's interesting renee and i've had similar conversations on like because there is no when you're when you're pursuing your undergraduate graduate doctoral work there is no sort of hey i'm going to go and be a student affairs x or senior administrator at the university so it's great to hear that your story similarly mirror, mirrors mirrors our journey into this where you just sort of fall into this space 
And because you get passionate about it, you know, before you look up, it's six years, 15, 20 years down the road. Could you talk a little bit about so undergraduate programs is such a big portfolio. Could you talk a little bit about how what the approach has been to shape what it is today in terms of what programming falls within within that space? Sure. So like anything else at at UNLV or, or really at any other university, um, it has evolved over time. Um, you know, anybody who has uh, who has been at UNLV for more than a few years knows that um, we've we've seen um, quite a bit of change in leadership uh, over the past decade, and um, with that have come differences in the way um, our most senior executive leaders have envisioned um, what the provost's office should look like and and how it should be organized. Um, So that has had some influence on um, which things the, the office of the vice provost for undergraduate education is responsible for. Uh, but also, it's it's really been about responding to the needs of the university. So, uh, for example, um, at the time that I I first started working in the provost's office, uh, we were undergoing this kind of massive general education reform uh, that now Provost TV was leading at the time and. And that was really about um, preparing our students for the jobs of the future. Um, we understood from a lot of the national research and the feedback that UNLV was getting from local employers that there was a gap between what our students were learning from us and what employers expected them to know and be able to do. And that really seemed to be centered on what some people call soft skills, Um, things like communication, critical thinking, and problem solving, Um, having an appreciation for working with others from diverse backgrounds. Um, And so the university as a community, decided to kind of break down our general education requirements and rebuild them from the ground up. And it was such a big undertaking and so important that we decided we needed to have some dedicated resources and some dedicated positions in the provost's office to to manage that and make sure that it was built and that there was someone to, to look after it and sustain it in the long term. So that's one example of the way it's changed over time. Um, another thing that's happened is uh, that the Office of Online Education used to be part of our Division of Educational Outreach because uh, that was really where the demand for online programs 
and online courses seemed to be. Um, it was more outward facing, more um, kind of recruiting community members uh, who maybe wanted to take courses to upskill uh, for their job or, or just for personal enrichment. But uh, as we've all seen over the past decade or so, the demand for fully online degree programs um, and other kinds of credentials like certificates has grown exponentially. Uh, and so there was there was an understanding that we needed to move that office um, more onto the four-credit academic side of the university and, and start making online programs available to all of our students. And so talk to us about what needs and changes have you had, well, that you've had to make in light of COVID. Um, and and how that changed the direction of the provost office and how you provide these services in light of so much uncertainty and such a diverse student body, but also trying to support faculty um, as they prepare the curriculum. So that has been pretty much everything we've done. <laughs> we have lived <laughs> and breathed and slept pivoting uh, to adapt to pandemic conditions uh, over the past year. And uh, so, of course, uh, one of the major components of that has been helping faculty to adjust their instruction uh, to be able to deliver their courses remotely. Uh, and so... Our Office of Online Education worked really closely with the Office of Information Technology and with the UNLV Faculty Center um, to deliver a massive amount of training uh, to our faculty last spring and summer. Um, and we have the highest participation we've ever seen in any faculty development program we've ever put on. Um, I think we, we had over 700 faculty participate in that summer training program. Uh, so that was a major undertaking for our staff. Uh, I could not be more proud of the way they stepped up and helped UNLV to move forward. Um, some of the other things that we've been involved in um, were developing a process uh, for students who either um, tested positive for COVID or who were exposed and needed to quarantine for some short period of time um, and, and couldn't come to campus. We understood that that was probably going to be too much for the DRC to handle, the Disability Resource Center to handle through their standard accommodations process. Um, and so we worked with them to develop a, a parallel process for these sort of short-term accommodations uh, for students. Um, and 
that I think has been a, a huge help uh, to students and to faculty um, to, to kind of streamline that and make sure that students are still able to participate and stay up to date with their classes if they need to stay home. Um, we have also worked quite a bit with our academic advising community um, to help them develop processes where they can deliver advising remotely. Um, that was a big learning curve. Uh, a few of our advising centers were already doing some virtual advising, uh, but to move everybody to uh, basically 100% virtual advising was a major undertaking. So uh, we helped support that um, on one end of the spectrum uh, with help on the technology side, uh, just helping advisors get up to speed with WebEx and Google Meets and, and Jabber and all the kinds of technologies that we use um, to do those virtual meetings, uh, but then also to help them figure out just logistically how to make things work and, and how to make sure that um, staff have what they need and aren't getting overwhelmed with too many appointments uh, with students. We know that um, the way we do meetings has changed so much that we don't have breaks in between meetings anymore. Uh, if your day is anything like mine, it's just back to back. Or overlapping. <laughs> all day long. And mostly overlapping. <laughs> you have to remind yourself, I need five minutes to like take a bathroom break. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So that that kind of logistical uh, help was something that we worked on with advising centers too. And now that things are starting to, we believe, turn a corner, now the challenge is, is helping folks to move back in the other direction. So how do we transition back to in-person instruction and in-person advising um, in a way that accommodates the needs of students and staff and faculty and that is comfortable for everyone involved because people vary, right, in, in how comfortable they're going to be coming back um, to an on-campus work and learning environment. So it sounds like to me it was the perfect storm uh, to some degree because you had already transitioned online education under your area, and I just, I almost cringe at thinking <laughs> what could have happened had that move uh, not occur. Is, is that how you uh, see it, or? Oh, yeah, uh, 100%. <laughs> um, if, if we had not had the support of that mm -hmm. amazing mm -hmm. group of folks, um, and, and if they hadn't been so closely connected mm -hmm. with, the academic departments on campus, yeah. um, I think we would have been in a world of hurt. As you were just talking, I just saw this like triangle just appear in my head about, you know, Office of Information Technology and online education and the faculty center and how many times you all had to have communication and meetings and preparation and coordination whilst, you know, consistently providing 
the curriculum mm -hmm. to ensure that students have the most of their experience, uh, while at the same token protecting students and protecting faculty. Um, so thank you for really describing that uh, major undertaking. So, so now as we switch back to having fall operations resuming more in-person classes, what's happening there? What kind of preparation and plans are being made there? Sure. So, uh, you know, one of the primary challenges is figuring out the, the kind of Tetris game, <laughs> for lack of a better description, of how do we, how do we get more in-person courses scheduled because we know that there's, there's a desire among many of our students to get back to in-person instruction and, and our faculty as well. How do we get those courses scheduled on campus and still comply with whatever public health guidelines and social distancing guidelines exist six months in the future, <laughs> right? Uh, because we, you know, we have to open up the schedule for, uh, for students to register well in advance, but we don't know what the world will look like in August. Uh, so we have to, we have to do our best to make our, our best guess. We have to accommodate the, the faculty's comfort level with coming back uh, to in-person instruction. Um, we have to think about things like uh, if you're teaching in person but you still have to wear a mask, how is that going to work? Um, and, and help faculty to figure out solutions. One of the things that we're piloting for next fall um, that I, I think has the potential to be sort of a permanent fixture um, in the way we teach at UNLV um, for at least some of our courses is something that we call Rebel Flex. So we've, uh, we've been able to invest um, some of the federal funding that UNLV has received to address the, the impacts on the institution of the pandemic uh, in some special equipment for several of our classrooms that allows instructors to teach in person to students who are actually sitting in the room with them, as well as live stream the course to students who are remote. Um, and at the same time, we can provide a, a student worker course assistant um, to help the instructor manage the classroom technology um, monitor the chat um, from the students who are remote um, and allow those students to engage in the classroom discussion or in any interactive activities that the instructor conducts during the class. So it's a way that we can um, accommodate the needs of students with, you know, different different health concerns, for example, or, or just different life responsibilities and priorities um, who may or may not be able to come to campus. So um, we're 
we're going to be running a small pilot cohort of those kinds of classes in the fall, and we're excited to see how it works out, um, what we can learn from it, and sort of iteratively improve that process moving forward. And if you couldn't tell, Renee and I, are, we're looking at each other, trying to jump in and get in front of the other on questions. So our time has gone by so fast. We'll get you out of here on this final question. Could you talk a little bit about what are your sort of greatest, what are you most proud of that we've been able to accomplish under undergraduate programs, under your leadership? And what are, the, what are some of the things that you're most looking forward to implementing within your portfolio of programs? Sure. So um, I think probably what I'm most proud of are some of the outcomes that we've achieved um, over the past few years. And um, those are the result of really everybody every day um, adjusting the way they do their work and being thoughtful um, and and really applying what they've learned through faculty development. But at the end of the day, what has happened is our first-year retention rate for new freshmen has increased uh, to a, a record high level, and our four- and six-year graduation rates have increased to record high levels over the past few years. Um, and, and we know that's because of the work of every faculty member, every staff member, and because our students are really dedicated. So I, I'm really proud of the work the university has done there. Um, and as we look forward, some of the things that we're excited about um, are continuing to build out our advising resources for undergraduate students. Um, our goal is to get to a ratio of 350 students per advisor, um, which is, is considered um, sort of a national best practice. Uh, so we're well on our way to that and looking forward to continuing to add more advising capacity. Um, also, we're really excited about um, building out peer mentoring across the university. Uh, most of our colleges over the past two years have started peer mentoring programs. We also have uh, peer mentoring that occurs uh, in, in many of our uh, administrative units across the campus. Uh, and we're, we're looking to add even more mentors, even more opportunities uh, for students to help other students. Dr. Pritchard, thank you so much for taking time from your back-to-back-to-back -back -back schedules and meeting schedule and, and to join us and just share some of the wonderful things that are underway in the undergraduate programs for UNRV. Renee, what are some of your takeaways from this session? Well, I'm excited to hear about the Rebel Flex uh, program. I think it's a great investment and a great way to utilize those dollars. I'm curious to see how that's going to uh, play out. I teach a course and uh, actually we're interested in that pilot to see how that uh, would, would work because in my first year of teaching here, it was all uh, online. And so I wonder how the delivery would have been in a master's doctoral level course uh, to have both 
you know, the opportunity to stream, but also be in person. But again, I, I'm just most impressed with um, how all this has come together in light of COVID, but even how in a short time, uh, the whole portfolio for Dr. Pritchard has just uh, changed um, and for the better, uh, it sounds like. Yes. And so I look forward to seeing um, all the things that's going to unfold. We didn't get a chance to talk to, you know, about it, but I know that Dr. Pritchard is working on the top tier student achievement. She's also working on the uh, MSI Student Success Summit. So there's some other you know, things in the goodie bag that's going to come out from um, her area. So did I hear you saying we need to try to clone Laurel? Uh, I think so. I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> and I know if you, you know, could make a taller version, that would be great. <laughs> Just a little. How much taller do you need? Give us a. Give us a. Give us a number. Not a lot. Maybe like four inches. Okay. Just All so right. I could reach stuff on the top shelf. That'd be great. <laughs> See, Laura, you, you take me back to the show. I like to watch the Big Bang Theory. I don't know if you watch it, but Bernadette, that's one of the, the things that she's always Hype. talking about, the height. <laughs> but, you know, one of my takeaways, well, I had a lot of takeaways, but one that really resonated is just, you know, understanding how complex it is at a university to make some of these structural changes. And I'm very appreciative of how Laura laid things out and how there's this intentional coordination and cooperation among many players and how they're able to do that and remain nimble and adaptable to the ever-changing needs of the students and all the others that are impacted at the university. And I was very pleased to hear some of the upcoming efforts to really push to get us to the standards with the advising the student ratio. And then also just rolling out the, the peer mentoring. I think those are two areas that can really help continue to move the needle positively, as Laurel mentioned, in terms of you know our retention rates and four, five, and six-year completion rates uh, from undergraduate programs. So, Laurel, thank you again for joining us, and I think that's a wrap for us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of KUNV Let's Talk UNLV. For my co-host, Keith, I'm Renee. Tune in next week, Wednesday at 12, on KUNV 91.5 Jazz and More. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.